Hello and welcome to Bible Brothers, the podcast where we read the Bible from front to back, and that's everything we do. My name is Robert Padnick. With me as always is Dan Klein. Hello, Dan. Hi, Robert. Thanks so much for having me back. You're welcome, and um, you're joined by a second co-host, second guest, I should say. Are we competing? No, no, you're cooperating. Well, let's just say you're cooperating for now. Let's see how it goes. Great. And then we'll talk at the end of the show. We're actually Mm. a very special guest, uh, kind of a first for the Bible Brothers, someone who actually Mm -hmm. knows what they're talking about. Rabbi Emily Cohen. Welcome to the show. Hold for applause. Thank you. Everyone at home is clapping or in the oh, cars I, clapping. And you know what? I always mess up, Emily. The um, I'm supposed to say like the stuff that you do before the name. I did this last time too. <laughs> Followed by a long explanation. <laughs> and I and I see why people do it because it's like then it just feels it's like, well, who is she? Why should I anyway? <clears throat> why do I so care? let me. Why should I care, like, judgy listener at home? So let me just also <laughs> yeah, that's what add... our listeners are like. So, who is this person? Rabbi Emily Cohen is the host of the Jutube podcast, currently on hiatus, but check it out wherever you get your podcasts. And she is a rabbi at the West End Synagogue in Manhattan. So, okay. you know. Now I'm following, I'm listening. If any of those things work for you, Manhattan, the West End, podcasts in general. Well, Emily, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Well, we're excited. Can I have a question? Have you read the Bible? The Torah, I guess the Have you read the entire Torah? They don't generally let you graduate from rabbinical school if you haven't read the whole Torah at some point. Really? So, so yeah. Do I remember it is a different question. Has anyone ever tried to get away with like skipping parts and they caught them? Probably. Like there's mm. this part that y- y'all haven't gotten to yet that you're supposed to like try to go through as quickly as possible because it's like all this bad stuff. So you're supposed to do it in like as few breaths as you can. So I'm sure there's some people that try to skim their way through. Bad stuff because it's boring or because it's like the material is not up, like uh, is outdated. It's a litany of curses. Mm. Oh, it's like don't you shouldn't you'll get cursed if you spend too long in this curse chapter. Yeah, exactly. It's sort oh. of like George Carlin's, like, the things you can't say on television. Something like that. But for the Torah? Yeah. Well, I have uh, I have some quiz questions then. If you were given a bunch of plywood, could you, from memory, build the ark? No, because we don't know exactly what a cubit is. Oh. They think it's, like, an arm length, but, like, is it my arm? Because, like, I'm 5'2", so mm. my arm is probably shorter than, like somebody's arm that's like six foot and probably longer than like an eight-year-old's arm although maybe not so it's hard to know wow that's already you already you've uh taught us more more information than anyone else that's that's ever been i thought a cubit was just a thing that we knew and what about god's um signature fragrance have you smelled it the barbecue his like cologne that he puts on which is frankincense and myrrh and mollusk oh he has like a special concoction he whipped up to smell nice interesting that's interesting i mean personally i don't really think of god as like a he character per se so like Mm. some amount of perfume could make a certain amount of sense but that also would imply an anthropomorphic deity which is a little bit messed up so Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know Well, well i think that's like a little human gloss on on something and then a last question. I mean, not to put you're not being grilled, you know, but like <laughs> it's just questions like on Bible Brothers. Well, we've never had someone who we have to has, ask every question. We have to ask a lot of questions. What I mean in the Bible, we've definitely been reading parts where God is explicitly talking about like I'm going to put my hand over you, 
And when I walk by, like, you could look at my backside. Like, he's definitely, the Bible is saying this guy is a human form person. So do you choose to kind of have a more poetic interpretation of that? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not saying that people don't want to look at God's ass, but I am saying that, like, that might not necessarily (laughs) be a literal idea. You know, the people that wrote the Torah were human. Um, maybe they were divinely inspired. Maybe they were not. That's like a whole debate. And if you talk to some rabbis, they'll tell you that it was penned by God or penned by Moses, um, but like dictated by God. But a lot of Jewish people, including a lot of Jewish, you know, leaders think that this was definitely a human written work. And how do you explain a divine figure when you're writing this like, you know, 3000 years ago and don't know how to do that yet? You use some anthropomorphic language. So you use the metaphors of like God having a body. Like when God gets angry, this is something that doesn't come through in the translations a lot. It's like God's nostrils flare. Um, Like that's like the literal Hebrew. So, you know, in the beginning of Genesis, there's a more kind of human-like God who walks around. But the further away from that you get, the more God turns into like this ethereal entity Mm. that doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. embody. That's interesting that his nostrils flared. We, yeah, we didn't read that in ours. But he does sniff a lot of things, and he talks about smells quite a bit. I was sh- I was shocked. Yeah, God's not so much into the eating, more of the uh, smelling. Smelling. Yeah, do you have any sacrifices. Like, ideas about like what's going on there, that he just loves aromas? and? You know, my guess is that, you know, that's the thing that transcends from being on the earth to being like in in the heavens so in hebrew the word for sky and heaven are the same it's shemaim so like you know when you have the the barbecue going up you know you can see the physical animals getting all eaten up by like the flame but then you can see the odor in the form of smoke actually going up and we have these ideas that i think y'all have read based on where you are in exodus of god showing up as like pillar of cloud and pillar of fire so that just yeah so like that whole thing where like the 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 smoke can kind of be a divine communication point oh smoke as a very significant thing in different ways yeah well speaking of where we are in exodus we are currently on chapter 35 and i was curious do you have any opinions about this part of the torah like where would you rank it i guess in the torah you mean among other torah parts yeah like is there a best part and are we because we, we've found that in the last like Exodus started off really exciting, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then it got once it got to the tabernacle and we're just like reading Ikea instructions for off. how to build it. Yeah, huge drop off. But then we got the golden calf, which was arguably the best chapter mm-hmm. we've had so far. Thrilling stuff. Disgusting. Crazy. Murders. Drinking the calf. Yes. Yeah. Drinking yeah, the that was crazy. gold. <laughs> this is sort of cliche, but I do love the burning bush. Mm. Like, there's just something, and not just the burning bush, like, hey, I'm a bush that's on fire, which is fun in and of itself, but also, like, the idea that we, when we get a little bit into that conversation, Moses is like, no, I can't do it. And God's, like, kind of tough love God of, like, yes, you can, and you're going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoy just, like, when God gets angry, but like for the sake of letting people come into their power, Mm. um, that like sometimes you need that level of pushiness. Um, So that's a part I really love. And then actually- And I love their dynamic, Moses and God. Yeah. They're kind of a comedy duo. Well, (laughs) it gets less comedic the further deep you go. Mm. So you'll have some fun time with this as we keep going I guess that's like a metaphor um, for real life is over time, it's 
the funny things just kind of get more serious and sad. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they can. And then the funny, the serious and sad things can get funnier. So it's mm. just like, you know, but Cycle. looking at their at their evolution is like really, really interesting. Um, and one of my other favorite parts of the entire Torah is when Yitro, Jethro, who's Moses' father-in-law, shows up and is like, yo, you need yes. help. Um, He's like, you guys, like, you got to make like a bureaucracy here. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, but this idea that, like, no, actually, you cannot sit here and handle all of the 600,000 Israelite concerns all by yourself. That's not how that works. Um, and that he actually listens to this guy. Um, and I like it both because it's, like, legit that, like, none of us can do it alone. And also because the place where he gets help is somebody who's not Jewish. So, like, this idea that, like, we're not in this alone, nice. you know, um, and we can learn from one another. Um, that's a really important piece. These are great ideas. Like, I mean, you're really earning your rabbi. So I'm like, damn, that. Dang, she, yeah, that's. I that's... don't understand why she's a rabbi. These are really good points. Oh, we're, 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 we were I'm... secret agents sent by to the Jewish Federation. Rabbis. And yeah. yeah, we were testing you. And yeah. guess what? You passed. Congratulations. This, yeah, this wow. whole podcast was made up just for this moment. Thanks. I feel I feel really validated. One in question I had about the stuff. Jethro moment. Well, we were confused by it. It seemed that Jethro left his house and yeah, was able to there? just walk to where they were lost in the desert. They're in the middle of the desert. And then was like, hey, guys, f- figure this out. And then like he just went home. But He's they like, were right, still wandering. Yeah. So he's a priest of Midian. Okay. And like, you know, maybe he has some special like desert locating powers or something. Mm. He could like sense, you know, where people are kind of he's got like a Gandalf thing going. Something like that. I feel like like Jethro's Gandalf is like actually a pretty good comparison. Nice. Dan. Yeah. Great. Uh, Now I'm a rabbi. Maybe you're a rabbi. I forgot to I'm tell you. Last... <laughs> That's what I've been doing this week during my unemployment um, is uh, becoming a rabbi. Fully becoming a rabbi. Excellent. It's a good time to do it. Well, let's just read this thing, huh? Yeah. Do we have any housekeeping? Or are we ready we to do. I, I didn't want to give them short shrift. Yeah, that's we right. We do have a new God Squad member that I wanted to say hello to. Another oh, okay. Alex. Ring-a-ding-ding Another Alex. Alex. Now, isn't Alex like a mischievous? Yes, uh, that's one our, of our first more Alex. mischievous... Uh, Fellow, so what's this Alex going to be like? I guess we'll see. I would assume that he's the uh, complete opposite, but who yeah, knows? I would. I would assume a it's a she Alex because we're we're it's an op because because she's opposite. Yes, and so. that she is a force of order. Yeah, and, I think so. I think that they will forever be battling for chaos and order. <laughs> well, thanks, Alex. That's great. We appreciate it. And of course, it's going straight to the greedy maw of Cooper Peltz. <laughs> wide open mouth. <laughs> it was, nom, it was nom, wide nom, open nom. mouth. Nom nom. Feed me money so I can edit this podcast. So we appreciate it. Or else he'll eat us. That's true. That's the curse that we have forever is to forever be feeding him patron money or to be eaten ourselves. Or to be fully eaten ourselves. So anyway, all right. Well, thanks, Alex. And thank you, Dan, for the housekeeping. All right. Open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 35. Wow. We're only five away from the finale. In a a year of non-accomplishments, I do feel a slight bit of happiness yeah sure i'm like wow we're almost two books into the bible no of course it's something rabbi emily cohen quick question and be honest with us does it end with a a bang or a whimper this this book oh exodus the book the book of exodus yeah are we gonna should we get excited or should we kind of modulate our feelings um 
All right, well, I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> yeah. The hesitation. I was just going to say, when y'all were like, we got two books into the Bible almost, I'm just like, I don't want to tell you what comes next. Oh, we've heard many. Yeah, we know. We heard yeah. it stinks. It doesn't, it's actually, there's some of the best stuff in the Torah in there, but a lot of it is like about how to sacrifice a pigeon. So, mm, you know. I'm, I'm curious. All right, great. I see these are kind of hefty chapters. So, well, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to plow, as they say. Chapter 35. And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together, and said unto them, These are the words which the Lord hath commanded, that ye should do them. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there shall be to you a holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whosoever doeth work therein shall be put to death. Whoa! They always talk about this. Are, are they going to keep talking about the Sabbath forever? Yeah, it's mm. kind of a thing. That, like, whole covenant through all time thing. But why do they feel the need to keep repeating it? Like, we know that's, like, baseline. That was in the first few lines of the entire Torah. Uh, bio, yeah. And now they're always like, oh, and don't forget, seventh day. It seems like they're, they're saying the it more they're than ever. They're threatening Yeah, death. and you guys haven't even gotten to Leviticus yet with this. So, like, okay, I will take, I, I will do a one-minute explanation of, like, why some things get repeated. So okay. there's the, like... The rabbinic explanation, meaning like rabbis a long time ago explanation, which is that like nothing in Torah is extra. So everything that's in there is in there for a purpose. And so each time it comes up, it means something different. I then disagree with that one. The that's more, that's yeah, hard to... I get why you would. Um, but then there's the more historical look at it, which is that the Torah was probably compiled from four different main schools of writing. Mm -hmm. So these four sources, we call them J, E, P, and D based on various things. So sometimes, like with like the Noah story, for example, I don't know what the language restrictions are on this podcast, so I'll be careful. But anyway, there is some very like interesting, crazy. Hey, don't say interesting. We have very strong restrictions. <laughs> nothing that, yeah. nothing that can elicit any sort of uh, blip yeah. in our in our listeners' emotions. Yeah. All right. All right. So not interesting. We'll go with like notable uh -huh. discrepancies okay. perfect, um, perfect. in in Noah. And so, like you know, sometimes it's bring a pair of each animal. Sometimes it's bring seven pairs of each animals. And the reason for that is that it's two sources that have been mushed together. Um, and so poorly you get like all together. these things poorly mushed together, um, as opposed to the first couple chapters of Genesis where like you have two creation stories, but one comes after the other right. one. So you have, so like there's like some stuff there. But anyway, some of the reason we have all these repetitions is because sometimes like J says it one way and then P says it a different way. And then D comes in afterwards and like, and everyone was oh, too yeah, embarrassed yeah, yeah. to tell them who, who they should choose or which one is right. So they're like, so let's just do them all. Yeah. I like J's and I like peas, but um, yeah, let's just move forward and not make a decision yet. We'll get, we'll come back to it. Well, it's sort of like if like if the Gospels, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, had all been mushed together into a single telling of Jesus's life, and you took like a line from each mm. one or whatever, they, um, they learned a lesson. It would be similarly confusing, exhausting. Okay, well, so now we know if anyone works on Sunday, they're a dead man. Yeah, Saturday. God, yeah. oh Saturday. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> All right, we gotta we gotta blow. Let's blow. I, I'm I'm so anxious to 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 plow through this. <laughs> Ye shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen, and goat's hair. 
and ram skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood. Woo! Dan, you love shittim wood. I do love shittim wood. I love hearing about it. And that's it, I guess. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> But I do love hearing about it. And oil for the light, and spices for anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, and onyx stones, and stones to be set for the ephod, and for the breastplate. And every wise-hearted among you shall come and make all the, that the Lord hath commanded. The tabernacle, his tent, and his covering, his tatches, and his boards, his bars, his pillars, and his sockets. The ark and the staves thereof, with the mercy seat, and the veil of the covering, the table and his staves, and all his vessels, and the shoe bread. What's shoe oh the bread. bread? Yeah, that bread that you got to put on the ark. We know right, the shoe right, bread. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Got to shoe that bread. Oh, the bread of the presence. What what what's going on with that bread? It's just a special bread. Lechem hapanim is like you know yeah the bread of like of the of the faces I guess. Um, but like yeah the showing of the bread and I think it's just like you offer things to God, so it's just there to be like an eternal offering. Also, what translation is this? Is this King James? Uh huh. That's hilarious. Uh, Robert reads from King James, and I read, I follow along with the um, NLT, New Living Translation. Yeah, we did King James because it's just like the one that I am, like, I just know that I've heard of that. Just to go back real fast, God said that you can't even light a fire on the Sabbath. What if it's cold? So you, too bad. I mean, not really too bad. So there's like all these, so you light Shabbat candles. Uh-huh. Um, I'm pointing to my mantle because that's where I light them on oh, Shabbat. Okay. But like, mm-hmm. um, but you light Shabbat candles, and then like you can, you really only use that light for um, for Shabbat um, and for the Sabbath day. And then you can't. There's like all these restrictions. Like you're not supposed to cook in certain ways, and, and all connects to like kindling fire. So even stuff like modern Orthodox Jews and some conservative Jews today, and certainly ultra Orthodox Jews, they won't use electricity on Shabbat. So like right. they won't turn on a light switch, and that all connects to this notion of kindling fire. Ah, so that's a big one. Is kindling fire? That's a major mm-hmm. no-no. I mean, yeah. I guess it's like a thing where in there are certain sects of Judaism, you know, more reformed things where like after a while people must be like, I don't know if I really care about this rule. Or like I care about the rule, but I don't feel like these specifics are really getting at the point. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's too much for me. Like I just want to have a nice fire. I'll do the other stuff, but the fire, it's like, come on, please don't kill me. Yeah, it's complicated. People have <laughs> okay. to figure out. I mean, when you're dealing with a tradition agreement. that's like 3,000 years old and people have to figure out like, you know, I mean, like the very notion of like us having this conversation right now is so far beyond the realm of what's even like remotely possible to the folks mm, at the true. time when this was all crafted that like, I don't know, it's... um. There, there's a lot I could say about Shabbat practices, but suffice it to say that like people have been making their own decisions about this for millennia, literally. Right. Okay. And nice. um, it, it, it's a practice that continues to evolve in different ways in different times. Okay. Okay. I buy it. Cool. I'm cool with that. So Moses continues. I think this is basically like a recap chapter. Of every, yeah, That's it's a recap it. of everything. It's like previously on Exodus. On, on Exodus, yeah. <laughs> and it's actually making it kind of easier to blow through it, but... Uh... But here we go. So he's still talking about, I caught it, I cut off mid-sentence. So he's still talking about what God wants. The candlestick also for the light and his furniture and his lamps with the oil of the light and the incense altar and his staves and the anointing oil and the sweet incense and the hanging for the door at the entering in of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with his brazen grate, his staves and all his vessels, the laver and his foot. It seems like Moses is just trying to remember everything. Like he's seeing and he's if doing he can a remember. great job. 
Yeah, he's like, okay, just everyone's got to build the curtains and then the poles that hold the curtains. It's almost like someone is either timing him or made a bet that he couldn't remember everything in the tabernacle. I wonder if he's doing it to a song like Animaniac style. I, it seems like I actually could see uh, Moses as sort of like a yakko. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sort of a charming, witty leader leader of the pack and sometimes making like, you know, um, suggestive jokes. <laughs> Ludicides. <Yeah. laughs> the hangings of the court, his pillars and their sockets, and the hanging for the door of the court, the pins of the tabernacle and the pins of the court and their cords, the cloths of service to do service in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons to minister in the priest's office. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they all left. Everybody's gone. Everybody, no one said anything. They all and just they were just, like, fine. And uh, thousands of people walk away. <laughs> Quietly. As he stopped talking. <laughs> I think that went well. Like Moses <laughs> having to figure out how, like, how to interpret that response. How to, what is, what, okay. I don't know if they, I expected them to clap. Maybe yeah, someone just saying say, thank you or something. Even just copy. Yeah, got like, it, Moses. I got it. Oh, and interesting. They all turned around. Okay, so there's so I'm playing a little geeky game here as we go. There's a commentator named Ibn Ezra who's like a medieval commentator, uh, rabbi dude, and he says that when it says the entire congregation departed, he says this indicates that the entire congregation had come to the tent of meeting one segment at a time. So basically, like it's not everybody all at once. It's like Moses is giving the same spiel, like you know, over and over, maybe a dozen. It's almost times, like a time so. lapse. Yeah, yeah. If it were a movie, like. there'd be different groups, and you're seeing Moses in the speech in different parts of it, but it's edited together to mm -hmm. form one speech, but over the many times that he's told it. Yeah. Well, that would certainly solve for, like, how is he without a megaphone or some else, like, getting this message out? Little groups. Little groups. That would make That's sense. That's sort of Jethro's thing. You got to break things down in little groups. Into little groups. Mm -hmm. Jethro little groups is sort of his uh A good way to remember him. Name. Yeah, little groups. <laughs> little groups Jethro. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whose, whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his service, and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, and brought bracelets, and earrings, and rings, and tablets, all jewels of gold. And every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. Is that it, was what, a fun phrase. Yeah, offered an offering. Three times. And is it when it's saying that someone whose heart was willing, is that indicating that there are people who didn't, who were unwilling and were like, eh, not for me? Dan, with the incisive questions. <laughs> whose hearts were willing. Other people are like, you know what? You guys go ahead and make all the posts and the curtains. I, like, I don't buy it. Yeah, I'm not into it. I'm going to wait for another golden calf. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I'm again kind of looking at these like fun little commentaries it says so this is this is um Ramban who was doesn't really matter Medi another medieval commentator um somebody yeah might, what sorry. about all the Ramban lovers <laughs> um hey. so every man whose heart lifted him up um this is the Ramban speaking this expression is used only in connection with the artisans um whereas regarding the donors it is written every man whose heart impels him the artisans are described this way because none of them had studied their crafts formally, but they discovered that they were naturally endowed with the gifts and then lifted up spiritually and inspired to come before Moses. That's very sweet. So we're like talking about different categories of people, like the people who excelled in ability and then the people whose spirit moved them. 
But I think the idea is that everybody's invested in some capacity or another. Okay, so everyone's and on with board. With these kinds of interpreters do you, or uh, interpretations, like, because when you're saying he's a med- medieval interpreter, that's when he was alive? Yeah. So are you ever like, eh, I don't know about that one. Like, For sure. That's what she just said. She's not into it, but other rabbis no, I actually, are like... I, I love Ramban, I have to say. He's interesting. But like the, the most famous medieval commentator is this guy named Rashi, um, who was like from France and wrote... like He was probably one of the most like prolific writers of his time. And so he also uh, made wine in his spare time. But he, he had... Um, he, if you look at a Torah with commentary... Chances are he's going to have a comment for almost every single verse. And I will often roll my eyes at what he has to say, because often it's like trying to make Moses look like the good guy and God look like the good guy and um, like justify all of the bad stuff that happens. Mm, And I don't necessarily want to do that. I sometimes want to dig into like, no, this was actually really shitty. And like, let's not do that Um, and just justify it. Totally. And like, that's okay that some parts are less than perfect. We could still talk about that. And learn from it. Yeah. So I'm like not always about the whole if Moses did it or if God said it, therefore it's perfect. Mm. Mm. Yeah. We've been asking that a lot. Yeah. It's pretty shocking. Kind of like whose side or when something bad is happening to our, in our opinion, like, are we just supposed to be fully on board? I mean, with the golden calf, it was God was saying, I'm going to kill everybody. And Moses like, no, 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 please don't do that. And then Moses goes down there and kills He's a like, bunch I'll of just, people. I'll just talk to them. And it's like, all right, slurp it up. <laughs> slurp up this hot gold. And uh, hey, Levi, can you and your, your kids like kill a bunch of these people? And then they just sort of move on. And you're like, okay, what is the Torah? And Aaron to? was like totally lied to his parents about what happened. It's like he threw this rager. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, things got crazy. Um I don't know. Like, I guess some gold got in the fire somehow. In a mold of a calf. I think we all got And it got molded into a calf. But it's like, you did it, Aaron. It's your party. But it's also like, can you blame the guy? Because, like, he's, like, the brother of, like, the important person. And the important person is gone for 40 days. The Israelites are going, like, what are we doing here? We're all going to die. Like, it's like he's, like, desperate, you know? Like, you can't really blame him. I thought they did the right thing. They're like, hey, we want God so bad. Like, we'll take a golden calf. I don't know. Yeah. We're trying our best, man. Do you get the sense that Aaron is, like, really hot? Probably. Moses is like, you know, his lips are uncircumcised. uncircumcised he's lips, like shy and awkward. He's like a nerd. So he's and got- then and then he's like, I want your you don't have to go on stage. Like, I'll let your cool brother like talk to the people. Yeah, and like he's like Rico Suave. Your cool brother's also gonna like wear all the like garb because he's gonna look stuff. good in it. Yeah. No, Aaron's definitely the cooler brother. Let's declare it here. Aaron is just gorgeous. But is he the hottest brother? character in the bible the hottest so character in the bible no that would be joseph really oh i mean hot depending on like how you swing because like you know it, it's it seemed like queer like queer interpretations of torah love joseph because there's so much there that like is a queer representation like he's described as being like youthful in his appearance and like the the coat of many colors mm. can also be described as a dress and like there's like all this interesting stuff with like gender presentation and like all of that with joseph mm. but um he is definitely his described dad as, gave him the coat that's interesting yeah. his dad sort of encouraged his his like, uh, drag attire his queerness yeah yeah but interesting the hottest character i wonder what that says jacob right jacob is joseph's father yeah 
What does yeah. that say about Jacob then? It's a good question. He, he loved progressive uh, guy. Yeah. yeah, he hated his like straight sons and only liked his twinkish Joseph. His sensitive, his sensitive boy. And Benjamin. Of, yeah, because it did seem like the other brothers were pretty, like, just... They were bros. They were jerks. Yeah, they are bros. Yeah. What, what about Benjamin, though? Remember how much uh, they loved Benjamin after that? Yeah, do you, do you think Benjamin's a little portly because he <laughs> eats so much? Who knows? Okay. He's, he's the special yeah. one. All right, he's well, little... you know what? If he's we don't special know... special little boy. We're just going to go ahead and say yes, then. Yeah, if it's a... Yeah. I'm sure God will strike us down if... We'll say yes until proven otherwise. Until but killed But that's interesting about Joseph. Wow. Where were we? All right. Offerings, offerings, offerings. Yes, okay. They're continuing to talk about the tribe. And every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and red skins of rams and badger skins brought them. Every one that did offer an offering of silver and brass brought the Lord's offering, and every man with whom was found shittim wood for any work of the service brought it. And all the women that were wise-hearted did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun, both of blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred them up in wisdom spun goat's hair. Uh, so here's these these people you're talking about, different different categories of people like now these are the women whose heart stirred them up in wisdom yeah like i i've i just get so inspired by wisdom i'm gonna bring some goat hair i'm not sure i understand the leap from wisdom to goat hair but hey if if they're feeling it it well they're like spinning they're doing like a little art this seems like a kind of an artsier project oh okay like just people that were like inspired to create other people just like brought wood right i think i'm just gonna go look for wood that's sort of my calling yeah, more of a hunter gatherer like, type. I'm gonna take hair and make it into like mm-hmm. some like a yeah. Cloth. They're actually spinning, and it's actually this is a cool moment because a lot of the time in Torah, women don't really get to do much of anything, and here they are actually building the tabernacle, totally. like not building the the wood of it, <laughs> but like mean, we didn't hear names. Yeah, they don't for get it. named. They they get but to like participate, like they get to actually be a part of it. So it's like okay, we'll take it. You know, that's that's something. Yeah, you're right. This is like one of the first few. I could probably name them on my, yeah, like one hand so far. What the women have uh, been like actively doing mm-hmm. instead of just being there. It's kind of like a World War II moment where it's like everybody's got to step up. Yeah. Mm. We need everyone here in the ranks. The, like, like a Rosie the Riveter. Yes, yeah. These are the Jewish Rosie the Riveters. But for goat hair. <laughs> merch poster much? Yeah. We're we're trying to come up with ideas for merch. Yeah. That we, we're kind of just getting a big list before we uh, start actually executing them. I emailed a um, scratch and sniff sticker company to see if they could make a Frankenstein. Oh, and I love how you're just emailing all these people. I've got, what else am I going to do? Yeah, right. And what'd they say? Yeah. No response. Most people don't respond to like weird, cold questions from a uh, podcast, but to be fair, I don't some. think I ever even tried to do like any kind of sponsorship when I was well, for my last season of Jew 2 at least. So I'm just impressed that you're trying. Yeah, we're trying. A- and the rulers brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate and spice and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. This chapter is literally just a list of stuff. It's a great chapter if you didn't want to read any of the other stuff. It's true. It, it almost feels like you're just like crossing. It's like, here are the things mentioned in Exodus, and you could just mm-hmm. cross them off by reading this one chapter. I wish we had known that. Yeah, yeah. Just skip to this one and just read it. <laughs> the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman, whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work, which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, 
See, the Lord hath called by name Bezaleel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he hath filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass. They're so impressed by Bezalel. This is not the first time that they've mentioned like how good he is at crafting yeah, things. Yeah, he's like, Bezalel is like the, the chief artisan of the Israelites, which is like, I don't know, like, like considering that at cool. this point we basically have like Moses and a priest and now we have this artisan as like, you know, the three important people. I'm, I'm not too upset about it. Like, I like that we have him before we yeah. have like a stockbroker. Uh, that's oh, true. Yes. Yeah. Like our, our like first kind of, eye banker yeah. is here. Putting an artisan way up high. Yeah. Now, Bezalel did make us question like people's Well, Dan, ages. it sounds like it's maybe Bezalel as well. Oh, I just, would be the, I just heard. Bezalel? Sorry. There's Bet-Sal-El. a little T. Yeah. So yeah, it's, we don't know it, how to say any of the names. <laughs> so yeah, so well, that's because it's not your fault. It's just like he like there's Hebrew, which is like you know weird to begin with, and then like the English transliteration of those names is often not the best. So the so the the Hebrew letters are Bet Sadi Lamed Aleph Lamed, and the Sadi makes the like the sound in the middle of pizza. So it's like a t- mm-hmm. um. So but oh, it's like hitting a hi hat on the drums. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like it's. Yep, yep. <laughs> a jazzy pizza. Yeah, a jazzy pizza. Nice way to remember it. I'm going to use that with my, with my Hebrew school kids now. Betzalel. <laughs> and yeah. um, just a question about some ages here, because it says that Betzalel is the grandson of her, but her was buddies with Moses also, I think, sort of. It was like her, Josh, Joshua, and Moses. They were like, do you know their ages at all? Or it's more just like, do you know their birthdays? That's what yeah, I Yeah, age is very complicated in Torah. Because, for example, Betzalel being the great-grandson of Miriam, but then he's hanging out with Moses as well. And Miriam's still alive. Right, and he's like a great right. artist already. So he's not so like, like three. Okay. I mean, he, so, so time. time is complicated. Like, for example... When we talk about the Israelites leaving Egypt, we say that it's been like 430 years or whatever, but then we're talking about four generations. It's like it's like Aaron is like the great grandson of Levi, I think. Um, so we're like how we get 100 years a generation is mm. a little bit confusing to me, but also we talk about um, everybody being a right. little bit like like people live a longer time in the Torah. I mean, y'all have read the parts with like Methuselah and stuff like that. But like, yeah, God tried to cap it at a certain point. Yeah, that's what it listened, sounds like. Because like, no this is supposed to, to like the whole Israelites leaving Egypt thing was supposed to happen when Moses was 80. So in that sense, like if everybody was having kids when they were like 20, you could conceivably have a great grandson of Miriam by the time, you know, we get to this point. But yeah, just don't put too much stock into the ages. It's all a little bit fuzzy. Maybe if yeah. they had been better with editing, it, it would have been helped. nice if they'd had an editor, or if they yeah. had had a an assistant, some sort of like ma- yeah, like a writer's assistant to just yeah. like keep track of just like, kind of hey, map guys, it out. I don't think that Betzalel and Miriam like, could be. We should change that. Could we just change these to make it make sense? Yeah, like just it have seems it, be work- someone- it seems fixable. It yeah. doesn't seem like an impossible thing to straighten out. Well, they're also obsessed with keeping it like within you know the lineages, where it's also like you know maybe. 
it does it matter that much? I don't know. Well, there's like I don't know. They, they need it? some kind of continuity expert here, like they have for like long running TV yeah. shows, you know? Because like I I think that like yes. the lineage matters because we're like in this like tribal system, right? Um, but the exact mm-hmm. relationships I think are sometimes slightly less important. It's just like which tribe are they? How are they connected? Um, you know, that those are kind of the main questions, I guess. That the time itself is less relevant. Yeah, don't pay, don't get too caught up. It's like if you watched Lost and you were like trying to be like a nerd about it. It's like just enjoy the ride. Just love. I'm like, still upset about the polar, the polar bears. bears. Yeah, right. Walt is yeah. magic. It's cool. It's fine. We should do a Lost podcast. I would watch Lost again. I don't think I've seen it since whenever it was on. Yeah, I watched I it at the ending. I was very the disappointed with the ending. Then over time, I got over it and was like, you know what? It was a cool show. And then I watched The mm-hmm. Leftovers, which I really liked. So it's like, you know what, Damon. You're good at what you do. Keep doing it. Well, um, let's finish off this chapter. I feel, you know, we're so close. It'd be crazy yeah. to get derailed uh, and talk about talking loss. about loss for the rest <laughs> of the time. This tends to happen a lot when you're reading the Bible. Yeah. Talking yeah. about other things that you sometimes, might want rather be doing. Sometimes it feels urgent to talk about our yeah. feelings Remember about TV lost. from 12 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Moses is talking about uh, he's continuing to talk about the curious works of art that they're going to that they are making. And in the cutting of stones to set them, and in carving of wood to make any manner of cunning work. And he hath put in his heart that he may teach, both he and, oh my gosh, I don't even want to, I'll go for it, Aholiab, right? Uh, Ohaliab, I think. Ohaliab. Son of? That B is a V, the son of Ahisamach. Ahisamach, you almost got it. There's like some weird sounds in Hebrew, like the... And those don't get... No, I know how to do that. Aholiav, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. Dan. And that's pronounced Dan, right? Dan, but close enough. (laughs) That hurts. Don, Don Don the Mon. So it's more like Donald. No, that's not a name we say. (laughs) No, I know. (laughs) More like Don Don Juan. Don Juan, the tribe of Don Juan. Them hath he filled with wisdom of heart to work all manner of work of the engraver and of the cunning workman and of the embroiderer in blue and in purple, in scarlet and in fine linen and of the weaver, even of them that do any work and of those that devise cunning work. The end. That started to just like add words to a sentence that probably didn't need it. I hate when they're like saying when they use the same word as the verb and the noun, like they'll be like to work on the work yes, and those to offer the offering to offer the work offering. Those who felt inspired to inspire those. Mm-hmm. I know were. what like, yeah, work, you work on the work and you offer well, the You offering. know what's kind of like, weird though. So like Hebrew is not a vocabulary rich language, like, like biblical Hebrew, especially. So like English we have, like, if I say, like, describe, like, say synonyms for beautiful, we could probably come up with, like, a list of at least 10 without trying too hard. But in Hebrew, that's just not a thing. Like, they have, you know, they have some diversity of words, but there's just not as many words. And so that's why I think we end up with, like, the same word being used in lots of different contexts, which is really fun when you're trying to interpret things, because it's like, well, this means create, but it can also mean form. So, like, how are those different? How are those the same? But mm. when it comes to, like, reading translations, it just seems like really clunky English to us, because every translation choice is, like, it's really taking a stand, which is scary. Right, yeah. And this one is saying, let's keep it the same. 
yeah. this translation. It's like a Google translator. It's a little a little clunky. But then if you get too flowery, like maybe that's not what they meant either. Right. So that's like where you get, I mean, like, I feel like half the problems I have with people bringing in Torah texts or like, you know, Bible texts or like people being like, it says this. And I'm like, actually, no, you're reading a really messed up translation that would Mm -hmm. lead you to believe that the only way to interpret this verse is to say X, Y, Z. But actually, you can also say like A to W. Like there's a bunch of different ways to look at this. Mm. So So the only way to truly know what you're talking about is to read every translation of the, we have to do this again. Again, we got to go back to the island, back (laughs) maybe (laughs) 10 or so times or however many translations there are. How many translations are there? You don't want to know. Okay. Five. Um, (laughs) Five. But like, okay, so I will say one thing. (laughs) Sounds like like, five to me. Yeah. So there's, so, so the, the most, most, um, like modern Christian translations come from this thing called the Septuagint, which was the first translation that we know of, of this text from Hebrew into Greek. So then it went Hebrew, Greek, English. Uh, um, and so that's why we end up with some things that are especially complicated. And with the New Testament as well, like there are certain words that when they went from the Aramaic into the Greek, like there's it. there's some complicated things. Interesting. Yeah. yeah so you can't yeah. know exactly what the original interpretation was because it was already a carbon copy. Yeah. So you always have to look at more than one. It's like what I like if you're actually trying to read the Torah. You can't look at one translation. So I think it's great that the two of you are looking at different ones because oh, then it at least I forgot that in. we're doing that because I was like, Robert, yeah. I don't want to do that. No, we're <laughs> doing it already. We already are. It yeah. sounded like too yeah. much work, but guess what? We're doing it naturally. And the yeah. last question that I have at least is um, all these translations, like if you could do it all over again, like if you could snap your fingers, would you prefer that there was just one translation, like just one one thing that so we could all get on the same page? Or are you liking that there's all these translations? I'm going to give like a kind of geeky rabbi answer oh. to this one, which is that like, oh. <laughs> um, as opposed to everything else I've said, um, but, but yeah, no, like, so, no yes or no's with rabbi. I'm like, no, oh, yes I'm... or no's. No. Um, so, so in, uh, you guys read the part of Jacob wrestling with the angel. Like one of our right? favorite part, top yeah. parts. Yeah. Definitely it's a good part. Five. So, um, so like when, when Jacob gets his name of Yisrael, mm-hmm that usually is translated as one who wrestles with God. Um, And so truly, I think that like the most sacred work that we can do is to wrestle with it. And if you had one translation, then like you're just limited in the number of angles that you can see. So like I get annoyed with the ones that are like super, super misogynistic and patriarchal and like don't leave any space for modern, like progressive traditions to come into it. But I like that we have a bunch of different ones. I think that makes it a lot more fun and just like easier to to really do the sacred work of that wrestling, which whether it's sacred or not, you're doing. Well, I don't think that was a mincing. I don't think that was a uh, half half answer at all. I think you came down pretty firmly on I like all the the translations. Yeah. You just had a more of a longer, thoughtful rationale behind it. Do you think God likes all of the translations? I think that to the degree I believe in God, which is an interesting question, um, I believe in a God that believes in like the ability of human thought and mm. feeling. And so I think that God is somebody who gets more excited about questions than answers. And smells. Like, I think if you're, and, and smells. But like if you're a creator... You want people who aren't just going to like receive the creation. You want people who are going to interact with it. Like if you're a painter, mm-hmm. you don't want people to just like be see like, your work in the yeah, net huh. and be like, right. okay. You know, you want people to like stand there and look at it. And so like, I would hope 
that God would be into all of the messing around with, with things. Yeah. I don't know. I love it. Wow. Yeah. I feel like for time purposes. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're not yeah. going to probably just do just one chapter. Yeah. But I feel like we got more, more than answers. More than out could, of it. We than... have to sift through this. Yeah, we have to. Robert and I have to take some time to process and contemplate all the answers we were given. More information than we've ever had. My my brain is full. Well, I'm glad to help. Yes, I think my everyone's brain brains full are full. We were really yeah. we really packed it in there. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was like kind of a chapter where not much happened, but we were at and least yet able we learned to... the most. Explain that. Yeah, I mean, how does that compare for you? It, like, also just another question. Sorry, we're throwing a lot of stuff at you, but like, is the chapter like that in services at any point? Like. When is that? It's just like as you're reading the Torah again and again, or? So uh, we break the Torah down into 56 Torah portions, and you read one each week. And so some some congregations read the entire Parsha. So, um, you know, this is from the Parsha called Vayakel, which is the second to last Torah portion in the book of Exodus. Some congregations read a smaller portion each week, but the idea is that over the course of a year, you will hit like a lot of the Torah and then some people will read it over the course of three years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at some point, You'll get this it. part would be discussed. Every three years yeah. is almost like the Olympics or something. Yeah, it's called the triennial cycle. Oh, a lot of people use it. Triennial cycle, so. cool. Yeah, um, well, yeah. Rabbi Cohen, thank you for being a guest. Is, uh, is there anything that you would like to direct our listeners to uh, of yours or to consume or just something that uh, anything you'd like to, you know, lost on ABC? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll just say a huge thank you because this was super oh, fun. Great. Thank you. Um, folks can follow me if you want to on Twitter at that Rabbi Cohen. Um, anybody who would like to come to services at my synagogue at any point is always welcome. Um, it's westendsynagogue.org and I'm happy to, to link you in. Um, and I would be happy to come back at any point. If yeah. you get lost in Leviticus somewhere, feel oh, free that to, might be to let me help know. Necessary. <laughs> thank you. Kit Kat, yeah. keep in touch, call anytime. Thanks, you too. And <laughs> yeah, I, the reason I have to skedaddle is because I have to now lead an afternoon Shabbat service. Oh, that's a great um, reason. Well, yeah. we won't keep you. Well, I thank hope you the Bible again. brothers come up in it. I hope so too. <laughs> Take care, uh, Rabbi Cohen, and, and goodbye to our listeners. See you next week. Bye-bye, guys.